0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: Till now we learn how you can serve Hashem through the attributes of love and awe. But there's another central attribute, which is the attribute of compassion, represented by Yaakov. Avram represents love, Yitzhak represents awe, and Yaakov represents compassion. That when you meditate and reflect on the existential angst of the soul, how for the soul to enter into human consciousness, for the soul this is a traumatic experience, and then, to add insult to injury, we make poor choices. So we sink deeper and deeper into the whole, and we create a darkness, a dungeon, our own dungeon, which causes the soul, inflicts on the soul tremendous pain. And then when you realize that it's not just you who are in pain, your soul is, un, is in pain. God himself is in pain. Because our soul is tied up to God. So whatever we do, we affect Hashem. It's like a rope. We're tied up. We're inseparable. So you schlep our end of the rope. You schlep the other end of the rope. So whether we like it or not, whether Hashem placed his destiny in our hands. And he left his destiny in our hands, our choices. If we make poor choices, we schlep Hashem into the dungeon. Ahmad. if you don't have pity and compassion on yourself, if you don't have pity and compassion on the soul, on your soul, and the little innocent child inside of you. Have rachmanes on Hashem. To even the person who's callous, even the person who's hard person who has no love and no feelings and couldn't care less. But Rachmanus, how can you see the pain? How can you see your soul in so much anguish and so much pain? How can you sit by and see Hashem in so much agony and so much pain and be indifferent? You have to care. You have to take it to heart. And that wakes you up. And that causes you to Return to Hashem. How do you return to Hashem? How do you soothe the pain of the soul? There's only one way, one balm, there's only one medicine to soothe, to ease the pain of the soul. And that is Torah Mitzvah. When you study Torah, your soul is calm. When you do a Mitzvah, your soul feels at home. When you're praying, the soul is back in the royal palace so for those brief moments the soul can forget about its pain forget where it's at forget its situation its scars its wounds its afflictions its angst for a few brief moments the soul is free the soul is liberated the soul is relaxed the soul is at home So if you have rahmanas, you see a person who's suffering. It touches your heart. You can't stand and watch a person suffer. It touches you and it moves you to do something about it. If I can help this person, if I can relieve this pain, I can't just sit back and do nothing. I can relieve his pain. It's up to me. I can sit down and open a book and start learning Torah. I can start doing a mitzvah. I can do the right thing. It's up to me. No one is stopping me. So when you see someone being tortured and in such agony and in such pain and you can do something about it you have Rachmanis it touches you and it moves you it moves you to study Torah it moves you to do mitzvah out of compassion so there's life to this mitzvah there's life to this Torah there's a spiritual energy compassion which in a sense is even deeper than love and awe the very word in Hebrew for Rachmanas, for mercy, is Rachamim. Rechem is numerical value. This is pointed out by the Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak. Reish Ches, the very first two letters of Rachamim is 208, which is numerical value of Yitzchak. Yitzchak is it's Kuf is 100, Tzadik is 9, Yud is, is, is 10, that's 200, and Ches is 8, 208. So, Reish Ches represents Yitzchak, which is strength, awe, intensity, sacrifice, and restraint. And then, Mayim. It's Rachamim. Mayim is water, compassion. It flows, it's giving. Because the word Rachamim is a compassion. Compassion is a combination of awe and love. It encompasses awe and love, because it goes deeper than love or awe. It reaches, even even when someone is accused, and even when someone stands in justice, and even when someone is found guilty, but you have compassion. Mercy and compassion reaches much deeper. You know, even people who are close-hearted, who are there's a point of humanity. When you have Rechmanis, when you see someone in a terrible situation, in a miserable situation, your heart melts. Your heart is, you have compassion. It awakens a humane feeling inside of you. So even when you can't be reached ordinarily, your heart is closed, but mercy, compassion reaches very deep. So even when a Jew's heart is closed, you're not excited about serving Hashem. You don't, you're not madly in love. You don't feel that passion. You don't feel that enthusiasm, that vibrant, dynamic energy. Or you don't sense that awe of Hashem. You don't sense Hashem's presence. But is, you can have pity. You can have mercy. You can have compassion. When you realize the sorry state, and you realize the situation, firstly, the fact that you're, you, we exist in this world, our, our conscious level a body and an ego for the soul every moment of life it's a traumatic experience because the soul can never get used to it where did the soul come from? look where it's at now it's from the peak to the abyss and the soul never gets used to it so the soul is in a miserable situation the soul is in agony the soul is in suffering and constant angst and that's why we're very agitated consciously and subconsciously There's a lot of tension. Psychologists will tell you that Jews are from the most the angriest patients. There's a lot of they carry around a lot of tension, whether they're conscious of it or not. They just walk around with constant tension. Because the soul is in agony. The soul is is tense because the soul can never make peace. We drown it out, we ignore it, we, we don't listen to our conscience. Our conscience is screaming and yelling. Sometimes it yells so loud that it's silent. It's a silent yell. It's louder than the loudest yell. It's so deep that you're just, you're numbed into silence. So your soul is crying. You don't hear it. doesn't mean you're not shouting. If you listen, it's shouting. It's louder than the louder shout. The soul is crying, hungry, thirsty for some godliness, for some soul... Starved, cut off, this hungering, yearning—something real, something godly, something divine. The person gasps for air. You know, you've been in a stuffed room, a stuffy room. You've been locked in a stuffy room for three days, and suddenly you get some fresh air. You know, the soul is in agony. Especially, the choices that we make. We rub it in to add insult to injury. We add to that agony. Because every time we do a sin, every time we do something wrong, we don't do the right thing. It, it just deepens our crisis, our pain. And then Hashem is suffering. The is suffering. So have Even if you have a, a, a heart of stone, you see someone suffering, and you can do something about the suffering. You can alleviate the suffering. How do you alleviate the suffering? Every time you sit and study Torah, every time you do a mitzvah, every time you pray, you give tzedakah, you are alleviating your soul's suffering. I mean, even, even a person who is cruel and cold, and, but when you see so much suffering and you can do something about it, it moves you. Okay, let me do something about it. I can't just sit by and be quiet and, do, and ignore and be indifferent. can't be indifferent. So is reaches, just like even when a person is accused and found guilty, and the prosecutor, yes, the prosecutor wins the day and everyone agrees this person is guilty. But you have rahmanas. The judge has mercy. Yes, I'm going to give him punishment, but with mercy. Because look how miserable, look what a miserable creature, look what a miserable situation. You have Rahmanas. And that awakens within you, that stirs your soul, that awakens within you some human humane feeling so too, this can awaken within us some spiritual, some spirituality, some sensitivity, some life. We feel dead inside and we don't feel any life, we don't feel any love or any passion or any sense of awe. Think about your state. Think about your rahmanas. What a rachmanus is in you. And the truth is that any Rahmanas that we can think of about ourselves is nothing in comparison to the true Rahmana <laughs> Hashem knows what a Rahmana is. As we say in the prayer, Hashem, please have mercy on us with your mercy, because only Hashem knows the depth, the plunge that the soul has taken. What a, what a pity it is. Hashem sends the soul from the highest levels, like we learned last week. Hashem fills all the worlds and encompasses all the worlds and all the worlds are nothing in comparison to the essence of Hashem and the Jewish soul is rooted in the essence of Hashem and that spark left and descended plunged into the steepest roller coaster into the abyss as a Russian politician once said he says comrades Yesterday we stood at the abyss, and today we took a giant leap forward. <laughs> so only Hashem knows Rahmans and our soul. Hashem knows where the soul comes from, what an elevated level the soul comes from. Soul is royalty, a prince in the palace. Spoiled, has been living in the palace in the most pristine environment. And the soul was plunged into the wild forest. The wilds. Amongst hicks. I mean, this is so, for the soul, this is so, such an estrangement. It's such a distance. We can't even grasp the true pity that would on the soul. Only Hashem could truly grasp. So Hashem, Hashem has mercy on us. And we awaken from within Hashem, we awaken a tremendous amount of mercy. We awaken from within Hashem, that Hashem should have mercy in our soul and illuminate our soul. Radiate our soul, illuminate our soul with illumination, a godly illumination that should spark, spark us back to life. So this is the effect, this is the power of Rachmanus, of compassion, approaching Hashem through Rahman, awakening compassion within ourselves, for our own soul, for our own situation. And then awakening, Yaakov awakens and arouses within Hashem, that Hashem should have mercy on us. Hashem in His infinite mercy should have mercy on us. should realize where we are. When Hashem has mercy on us, when we reveal Hashem's mercy for us, then Hashem awakens us. Hashem has pity on us and compassion on us. Then Hashem will illuminate our soul. Hashem will awaken us. Give us, give us a gift. Give us an awakening. Give us some spark. Give us some life. So this is a very powerful approach to Hashem through mercy and compassion both from, with, from within us from the bottom up, from the top down us awakening mercy, arousing mercy for ourselves also awakening the awakening of the mercy of above of Hashem over us and which motivates us to learn Torah and to do mitzvot and then the Torah and the mitzvot are alive because you're doing it with a sense of purpose a sense of drive a sense of a sense of uh, a sense of purpose and drive you're learning Torah, doing mitzvah to alleviate this pain to address this pain out of a sense of mercy and compassion when you do an act with love when you do an act with awe there's life in that act when you do an act out of mercy and compassion also there's life, there's vitality there's an energy there there's a, there's a spirituality there's a lightness, there's a, it elevates the act. The act soars. And then the act sears into your soul, it touches you, it affects you, you're affected by it. And suddenly it becomes an illuminated act. So, this is a very powerful approach to serve Hashem by using the attribute of compassion. And it doesn't take long. As it says, the Mittler Rebbe, the Altar Rebbe's son says, that a very poor person doesn't need great meditation to have mercy on himself. He just has to think for one second <laughs> where he's at. He's at the bottom of the pit. He's homeless. He's, he's starving to death. He has no clothes to wear. He just gives one second, looks at himself, looks in the mirror for one second, he bursts out crying. You don't need any great, uh, the pauper. Some people, you need to explain to them that they're broke and they have problems. A pauper doesn't need any explanations. It's it's so obvious they just burst out crying the moment he just dwells on it for a moment. So it doesn't take long to realize how spiritually impoverished we are. Look at the world that we live in, the environment, the circumstances, where the soul is coming from, this intense spirituality, this intense godliness. And to enter into a world of intense darkness, of ego, it doesn't take long to realize how what paupers we are. The soul is bereft, and then to add, add to it, we've whatever situation we found ourselves, we dug our hole even deeper. We added the duck to the darkness. We add it to the suffering and the agony of the soul. By, by sinning, by doing the wrong thing, or not not doing wholesome things. So when you add all of that, it doesn't take long to realize the situation, and to burst out crying, realize that what's, that's, we're spiritually poor. So this is a path that's open to everyone. You know, the path of love and the path of awe, not, it's not a direct path, because it's not so... You have to work on it to develop a love or to develop a sense of awe. It takes discipline, takes intense concentration, takes a lot of zitzfelish. But the path of compassion, he says, it's a direct path. It's a straight path. It's a highway. It's a very direct, because everyone can reach it, because it doesn't take long to realize how impoverished we are. You don't need great meditation. You don't need any deep contemplation. You just, you just aware, open your eyes and just become aware and realize where you're at and where you're coming from and where you're going towards. It's, it's enough to evoke a sense of mercy and compassion. And that wakens your heart. When you feel a sense of mercy and compassion, you're alive. You feel alive. Something stirs in your heart, something stirs in your soul. You're touching your soul. So this is a very clear path. It's the clearest path. Just like Jacob was the most powerful of all the patriarchs. This path is the most powerful of all the paths that It reaches very, it's very far reaching. And it affects you very deeply. And it's available and accessible to everyone. He says, and this is the, now he's going to explain on page 673, everything in the Torah, as the Zohar says, the stories in the Torah are the garments of the Torah. Every story is true, every story literally happened, but they're just the outer garments of the Torah. And just like there's a body behind the garments, and there's a soul behind the body, and there's there's a subconscious behind the conscious level of the soul and there's the essence. You go deeper and deeper, like the Russian doll. You go deeper and deeper and deeper. So too, the Torah, you have the garment of the Torah, the simple story of the Torah. But underneath it, you also have the deeper aspects of the Torah. So when the Torah tells us the story about Jacob and Rachel, when Jacob meets Rachel, it doesn't, it's not just the literal story. The Torah is also talking about something much deeper. As a Shaloh Kaddish used to say, we think that the Torah is speaking about the simple and it's hinting at the spiritual. He says, no, it's the exact opposite. The Torah speaks about the spiritual and then hints at the material because the material evolves from the spiritual. The physical is just a reflection of the spiritual. The na- physical eye is just a reflection, perfect reflection of your spiritual ability to see, the ability of your soul to see. So the physical is just a, a reflection of the spiritual. So the, the Torah, you have to reorient our ways, how we look at the Torah. We have to realize that the Torah essentially speaks about the spiritual. Yaakov represents something spiritual, and Rachel, Rachel represents something spiritual, something divine, or something godly. But the Torah encloses itself in the material. It manifests itself also in the material, in the physical Yaakov, in the physical Rachel, But every story in the Torah really primarily is talking about the spiritual and the divine. It also manifests itself in the simple story. So when the Torah tells us the story, the first time Yaakov met Rachel and he cried, what's the Torah really speaking about? What's this story really talking about? Not just the historical event that happened thousands of years ago. 3500 years ago, thirty. 30, 3600 years ago. This is the Torah speaking about something. Torah is eternal. Torah is speaking to us. Torah is the blueprint of reality. So, what it means on a deeper level is going to explain that Yaakov represents the attribute of compassion, the divine attribute of compassion. Rachel represents the Jewish people the Jewish whole and Yaakov begs and asks Hashem for mercy that Hashem should have mercy on the Jewish people to illuminate our darkness, illuminate our situation to redeem us from our situation to connect with us so then the Torah that we do and the mitzvah that we do are alive they have spirituality to them they have spiritual life because there's an awakening there's a stirring there's some inner stirring it's a response and Hashem has compassion on us and then the Torah that we learn is illuminated Hashem reveals Himself in the Torah that we learn Hashem reveals Himself in the mitzvah that we perform so the mitzvahs are alive from our end and from Hashem's end let's learn inside
2: Uh,
1: the second paragraph on page 673 this is the meaning of the verse
2: this is the meaning of the verse. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. For Rachel is Knesset, Israel, the community of Israel, the fount of all souls. Rachel represents the supernal attribute of mouth of Atsilat, the source of all Jewish souls. And Jacob, with his supernal attribute, the attribute of mercy of Atsilat, is the one who arouses great compassion for her. For Rachel was source of all Jewish souls, and he lifted up his voice upwards to the fount of the higher mercies, to the source of the thirteen divine attributes of mercy. The thirteen divine attributes of mercy are far loftier than the supernal attribute of mercy of Atzilah, for the latter is but an attribute of the spiritual world, and is hence bound, bounded. While the 13 divine attributes of mercy, transcending all worlds, are boundless, they are the fount of all mercies, including the level called the mercy of Epsilon.
1: We have find two expressions. One expression is of harachamon, a father who is merciful. And then there's another expression of harachamim, a father who's like the source of mercy, the source of compassion. So you have a compassion which is from the divine world, one of the divine attributes of the world of emanation. That's of Rahman. But then you have the 13 attributes of mercy which transcend even the divine world of emanation. It's the 13 attributes, the unlimited mercies of Hashem. Hashem forgives and has compassion whether we deserve, we don't deserve. Um, Hashem has compassion on us. Versus a compassion... That's more defined. That you can have a compassion which it makes sense to have compassion on a person. There's a reason. So there's some reason behind it. Versus there's an ultimate compassion, even if there's no reason. It's just this infinite compassion. You just have compassion. When you see a person in a miserable state, you have compassion. They're deserving, they're not deserving. That's an infinite compassion. That's the source of, of compassion. So the level of compassion of a Rachaman of the world of emanation, this is a level that we can comprehend. We can understand or relate to the compassion, the mercy, the pity that our soul and our soul. We understand. Our soul is spiritual. Our soul is heavenly, Our soul is sublime. Our soul comes from such a high source. Our soul is rooted in the very essence of God. And look where our soul is now. The soul is born. The soul plunges. plunges. The soul descends into a very hostile, alien environment. Have, all the paths are dangerous. And the pitfalls are many. And the risks are, are almost seem to be insurmountable. And are numerous. And the chances of success are... The odds are... I don't know if you're better. But the odds, odds are not uh, best. 50-50. You can go either way. And you have Rahmanas, Look at your soul. Look at what your soul is up against. It, it, it's, it's a tough situation. You have Rahmanas. It's not easy. Your soul is suffering. Your soul is in agony. And on top of that, look at all the poor choices that we make. To add insult to injury, your soul is even worse agony. So you have rahmanas. And then you have rahmanas and the fact that we can affect Hashem. Hashem is inextricably linked with us. We can't sever our connection with Hashem. Any bad choices that we make affect Hashem we cause Hashem to go into hiding we cause Hashem to go into agony to be in agony so look at the Rachmanus so we arouse and evoke within us a compassion but ultimately we're human, we're finite so the compassion that we can evoke and arouse is still limited but Yaakov has the ability to reach that's why it says Yaakov who he himself was a compassion he was the embodiment of the compassion of the world of emanation he lifted his voice and he cried He lifted his voice to a higher level. The voice evoked, stirred his soul so deeply, so intensely, that he burst out crying. When does a person cry? Crying is not a logical event. It's not something you plan, unless you're in Hollywood. Crying is genuine. Crying is, when you burst out crying... We don't find anywhere in the Torah that Yaakov is crying, except this case. When he meets Rachel, he bursts out crying. Because crying means that you're overwhelmed. Your mind can't handle it. When something is overwhelming, it's beyond your vessel. You can't can't contain it. So it pours out, it bursts out, to cry. When you can't contain it, it's so deep and so intense, it's too much. He just burst out crying. Crying is very deep. Crying is very spontaneous. Crying is... Something stirs very deep inside of you. That your mind can't contain. See, so he burst out crying. So crying, lifting up his voice and crying, means that he was reaching out and touching the source of compassion. The source of Yaakov, which is the 13 attributes of mercy which transcend the finite compassion as it's revealed in the world of emanation it's the undefined compassion touching the very divine itself so Yaakov was stirring and evoking this compassion this divine compassion on the soul look at the soul look at where the soul is at only you Hashem know the true Rahmanas, the true pity at the soul only you know where the soul is coming from. Only you know what the soul is made up of. Only you know what the soul is really all about. And look where the soul is now. In a concentration camp.
3: In a dungeon. Dark, dark place. So you evoke Hashem's mercy. The supernal attribute of mercy of absolute is known as Ab Arachman, the merciful father. While the thirteen divine attributes of mercy are called up, Av Arachamim, the Father and Source of Mercy. It is for this reason that on especially propitious occasion the term Av Arachamim is used in the prayer rather than Av Arachman.
1: Only on the special days we say of Arachamim. On the holiest of days, we can evoke and touch the divine attributes of mercy. Because something has to stir very deep in your soul to touch such a deep place, the divine attributes of mercy that are undefined, unlimited. And that's the level of Av HaRachamim.
3: This, then, is the meaning of and Jacob lift up Jacob elevates his supernal attributes, the mercy of Atsilu, to the level of the mercies of the 13 divine attributes of mercy. The verse goes on to say, And he wept, in order to awaken and draw from there, from the boundless divine mercies, abundant compassion upon all the souls, and upon the fount of the community of Israel, to raise them from their exile, and to unite them in the Yehud Elyon, higher unity, as the light of the blessed so at the level of Kisim.
1: So even though, as a result of our misdeeds, we ended up in exile, which is not just we are in exile, Hashem is in exile, the Divine is in exile, Godliness is completely concealed and in an exile and in pain and struggle. And yet, because Yaakov aroused within Hashem his 13 attributes of mercy, so therefore Hashem, out of his infinite compassion, enabled us through Torah mitzvah to redeem ourselves from the exile, even while we're in exile. Hashem threw us a rope. Hashem enabled us, gave us the ability to reconnect the soul to the infinite to reconnect that not only could we soothe the soul soothe it of its pain because when the soul is studying Torah and doing mitzvah the soul is no longer in pain this ju- the moment the soul learns Torah and does mitzvah it justifies all that anguish because at this moment the soul is back in the palace And it also elevates the soul from its descent and its plunge and from its sorry state of being, spiritual state of being. Because right now when you're studying Torah and doing mitzvot, you're enveloped within the Divine. You're kissing the Divine. You're touching the Divine. So you're you're one with the Infinite. You're in a beautiful place. And also, not only do you redeem Hashem, but even you redeem the soul from its plunge and its descent into this world. Because when you're studying Torah and doing mitzvot, you're touching the infinite, you're touching the divine, you're touching Hashem. At this moment there's no descent. At this moment you are touching, the, touching your back where you're, you're back home. You've returned. You've redeemed yourself you've returned home. You're back in the royal palace. So Hashem in His infinite mercy enabled us and gave us a way how to, to do something about this. To redeem the soul and to soothe the soul and to return it back to its original place through Torah and mitzvot. Even when we're in exile. So this is Hashem's infinite mercy that He enabled us and gave us the ability to reconnect to once again touch the divine and be touched by the divine and to reconnect. This comes from Hashem's attributes of mercy, thirteen attributes of mercy. And then though the Torah that we learn in the mitzvot is like a kiss. It's a loving. It's a it's a kiss. It's a two way kiss. Hashem is kissing us and we're kissing Hashem. Because we evoke compassion within our soul. Something stirs within us and we want to reconnect with Hashem. We realize the compassion and the mercy and the pity in our soul. And we want to do something about it and reconnect with Hashem. And Hashem is giving us the Torah and the mitzvot and He's uh, kissing us and He's touching us. And we're once again back with the infinite, back with the divine. You're enveloped within the divine. You're kissing the divine, you're touching the divine. So you're you're, you're one with the infinite. You're in a beautiful place. And also, not only do you redeem Hashem, but even you redeem the soul from its plunge and its descent into this world. Because when you're studying Torah and doing mitzvot, you're touching the infinite, you're touching the divine, you're touching Hashem. At this moment there's no descent. At this moment you are... Touching, the, touching your back where you're, you're back home you've returned you've redeemed yourself you've returned home you're back in the royal palace so Hashem in His infinite mercy enabled us and gave us a way how to to do something about this to redeem the soul and to soothe the soul and to return it back to its original place through Torah and Mitzvah even when we're in exile so this is Hashem's infinite mercy that He enabled us and gave us the ability to reconnect to once again touch the Divine and be touched by the Divine and to reconnect this comes from Hashem's attributes of mercy 13 attributes of mercy and then though the Torah that we learn in the mitzvot is like a kiss. It's a loving, it's a, it's a kiss, it's a two-way kiss. Hashem is kissing us and we're kissing Hashem. Because we evoke compassion within our soul. Something stirs within us and we want to reconnect with Hashem. We realize the compassion and the mercy and the pity in our soul. And we want to do something about it and reconnect with Hashem. And Hashem is giving us the Torah and the mitzvot and he's uh, kissing us and he's touching us and we're once again back with the infinite, back with the divine. So this is the attribute of Yaakov. This is what Yaakov represents. This is the essence, the soul of Yaakov. Pity, mercy, compassion. And Yaakov has the ability to evoke a response from within Hashem. So Yaakov awakens us but he also awakens Hashem. So to speak, the divine attributes of mercy, and as a result, what happens? As a result, as a result, he kisses us. The Torah is a kiss from Hashem. Mitzvot is a kiss from Hashem. What a beautiful thought! What a gentle thought! What a beautiful thought! What a loving thought! And Hashem is kissing us when we're studying Torah it's Hashem's kiss to us we do a mitzvah Hashem is hugging us and is bringing us back home enabling us to reconnect so we can do something about our state we're not we're not stuck suddenly there's movement there's change There's a possibility of change. We can move beyond our state, sorry state. We can change, we can shift. By studying Torah and doing mitzvot, we can change our state of being. Instead of being in a dungeon, in prison, suddenly, in exile, we're free. We're redeemed. We're reconnected. We go back home. There's movement. As a result of this pity. So that's how he interprets the verse. Yaakov kissed Rachel. He lifted his voice and he cried. And that evoked the mercy and compassion. Which led to Yaakov kissing Rachel. So it seemed that the verse is out of sequence. It should have said, First he cried, and then he kissed her. The kiss is a response to the cry. He's explaining here that the, the cry is the evoking of mercy and compassion. Once you touch and you stir up mercy and compassion, then there could be change, then there could be movement. Then things start moving and changing, then comes the kiss. So the sequence is the reverse. The Pasuk first says, yakul He kissed her, and then he lifted his voice and cried. And then he asked her, who are you? <laughs> but the Evan Ezra says, no, the simple pshat is not like that. The simple pshat, you have, you have, a, you have a chumash? You want, you want to bring a purple chumash? So it says like this. It says, Yaakov kissed Rachel. And he lifted up his voice and he cried. And it says, Yaakov told Rachel, I'm your uncle, the son of Rivka. So, Devanessa says that really the verse is backwards. This happened out of sequence. The first thing that happened is he told her who he is. Do you want to see the Mechber No, no, no. The first thing he told her, he told her who he is. That's verse 12. Then the next thing that happened is the end of verse 11. He cried. And then the third thing is he kissed her, not in sequence. And, a, and that's how he's explaining it here, that what came first, first came the crying and then came the kiss. He says first comes the crying, first comes the mercy, the compassion, the stirring of the heart, the awakening of the heart, some feelings, some connections, some movement, some inner stirrings which leads to the kiss now you're motivated to kiss Hashem now you're motivated to study Torah because studying Torah is kissing Hashem is healing your pain is addressing your situation is soothing the pain of the soul is answering the existential angst of the soul you're going back you're going back to heaven you're going back to the infinite while you're in exile while you're a soul and a body, while you're living in this material, coarse, dense, physical, material, dark world, and while you're in a state of exile, spiritual exile, you've sinned and you messed up and you're in exile and our world is in exile and we're in a sorry state. In this midst of this state, we can kiss Hashem. While we're crying, there's something to cry about. Look at where we're at. Look at us. And what's the answer? A kiss. Out of this crying comes the kiss. Comes the connection. Comes the Torah and the mitzvot that's done with love, with with connection, with with heartfelt. So that is the proper sequence. Now he's going to explain exactly what this kiss is
0: which is the attachment of spirit with spirit, as it is written, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. The community of Israel begs of the Almighty that he unite with them in a matter of kisses. In the case of kisses of the mouth, there is not only an external union of mouth and mouth, but a more internal union, that of spirit, breath and breath, and so it is regarding the manner of unity of the Jew of the Jews with God, which is brought about by Torah and Mitzvah.
1: So it says in the Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs: "Yishakeni, God, please kiss me." Kiss is an expression of a very intense love. When you kiss someone, it's expressing a love. It's a spirit. It's not just the physical touching of the mouth of the mouth. That's just the expression, the external expression. Of a very deep, intense love that you, you can't express in words. When you can't express it in words, the only way you can express it is in a kiss. So this comes from the innermost spirit, the depth, the innermost depth of your spirit. So we're asking Hashem, please kiss me. What is that kiss? What comes from within Hashem? The innermost spirit of Hashem, so to speak, his Torah and his mitzvah, his Torah. So when we study Torah, Hashem is kissing us and we are kissing Hashem. It's it's a connection, it's a union of two souls, of Hashem and us, and us and Hashem. It's an internal connection. Just like when you study Torah, it's an internal connection. When you study Torah, you're saying the words of Torah. That's like the physical lips. You're moving your lips and you're saying the words of Torah. That's like the physical kiss. But what's beneath the Torah, you're understanding it, your mind, something internal. It engages your mind. You understand it. It's a deep understanding. It's not just mouthing words. To study Torah, to fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah, you have to understand what you're doing. You get into what you're doing. So it's your soul touched and being touched by the soul of Hashem, so to speak. The innermost, the will of Hashem and Hashem's thoughts. So this is the ultimate union, the ultimate connection. It's a kiss. It's the most loving act. And that's what we ask. We pray to Hashem, please, Kiss me. We want that, that soul touching the soul. We want that stirring. We want that soul connection. Because the soul is in agony. The soul is in pain. And the soul wants that kiss from Hashem and that, that show of love of Hashem, from Hashem and that show of compassion from Hashem. And then, then you have this connection. Okay, continue.
0: Which means the union of the word of man who studies Torah with the word of God, namely the halakha, which is God's speech. This union resembles the kisses of the mouth. So too, through thinking Torah thoughts, mortal thought is united with divine thought. And so too, mortal action is united with divine action, through active observance of the commandments, and in particular the practice of charity and loving kindness. For chesed is the divine right arm, and man's kindness is a fitting vessel for God's kindness. And this is, as it were, an actual embrace. Just as in physical terms, an embrace manifests one love, one's love of the beloved, so too, so to speak, God's kindness embraces the Jew who performs acts of charity and loving kindness. So he
1: says actual embrace, because the truth is, even Torah is like an embrace. But the mitzvah, especially the act of tzedakah, because the primary, um, the kindness is the primary force. And the ultimate act of kindness is the act of tzedakah. That is literally like an embrace. When you do an act of tzedakah, you literally, Hashem is literally touching you. Embracing you. It's the ultimate act, just like embrace. When you love someone, you express it in an embrace. When you really love someone, it's an intense love, you embrace them. You hug them. You embrace their whole being. So too, Hashem's love for us, when we do an act of a mitzvah, especially the act of tzedakah and chesed, Hashem is embracing us.
0: As it is written, and His right arm, divine kindness embraces me. While one's occupation in the Torah by word of mouth and concentrated thought constitutes the level of actual kisses, the unity of Jew and God accomplished through speech and thoughts of Torah actual kisses, is twofold. The external level of kisses, mouth to mouth, is attained through the words of Torah, while the internal level of kisses, spirit to spirit, is attained through concentrated thinking on one's Torah study.
1: Again, he says here, literally a kiss, because even mitzvot are many times compared to the kiss of Hashem. But literally kissing, that's specifically through studying Torah. When you say the words of Torah, it's like the physical kiss of lip and lip, the lips, but it's the spirit. The the, the touching of the lips is just an expression of an intense inner love. The spirit of that kiss, that's expressed by concentrating your mind on the Torah, going deeply into the Torah, understanding and engaging your soul and your spirit and engaging Hashem's mind, fully engaging Hashem's mind and Hashem's soul and Hashem's spirit. And then it's the ultimate communion, the ultimate connection. Now, till now, he explained that compassion is a path. Is a path to serve Hashem, just like you can serve Hashem through love. When you're motivated by love, or when you're motivated by awe, that's considered lishma. You're, you're studying Torah for. Motivated for the right purpose. You're thinking about Hashem and you're motivated by something godly. And therefore, there's an energy to the mitzvah, there's an uplift, there's a soul to the mitzvah, there are wings to the mitzvah. So too, there's a third path through mercy, compassion, evoking a sense of pity, a sense of compassion on your situation and realizing Hashem has compassion in our situation with Hashem's infinite compassion. And therefore, when you study Torah, it's like we rush rush towards each other, and we embrace each other, and Hashem has compassion on us, and we have compassion on ourselves, and have mm-hmm. compassion on Hashem, and we meet each other, and we embrace each other, and we uh, fiercely engage in the Torah and the mitzvah, and then the mitzvah come alive. Now he's adding that in addition to that, compassion and mercy and pity is also a way to evoke a sense of love when you don't feel any love in your heart. You don't feel any love in your heart you feel clogged or there's no love in your heart you can't evoke stir in your heart any sense of love but when you have mercy and compassion that could stir up your love that can evoke within you that love it can waken up your heart when your heart is closed and you don't care you stop caring I don't care I'm not interested There's no love, there's no interest, there's no energy, there's no passion, there's no... Your heart is shut down. You're not attracted. There's no sense of awe. You're not repulsed. You just... Couldn't care less. How do you reach? How do you reach... Your heart? How do you reach yourself? How do you awaken your ability to love, this is through compassion. You know, you can't hate something you have pity on. Someone you have pity on, you can't hate. Because pity, compassion goes very deep. Pity, compassion, you go deeper. You go beneath the surface. And when you have pity on someone, you can't hate someone you have pity on. If you see someone acting out, instead of being angry, if you have compassion in them, you realize where they're coming from. They had a terrible childhood. They had a horrible upbringing. They had horrible circumstances. Once you put it into context that they're acting out it's just a camouflage to camouflage their insecurities. And the more they're acting out is the more insecure they are. So instead of taking it at face value and getting all flustered and getting so angry and defensive when you realize hey, there's a big baby here. A little baby crying out loud you know pretending to be an adult and but really... It's just, when you have rahmanas, once you get to that level, when you have rahmanas, you can no longer hate. All you can do is love that person. Because you love that fragile innocence that's lurking underneath that facade and that surface, uh, superficial reality that's being projected on the conscious level. But underneath all of that, there's something alive and human and real. And once you reach that place, and you have Rachmanus. Then there's a real person there. So that's the nature of mercy and pity and compassion. That it redeems the love, it evokes the love. And suddenly you can start, your heart starts stirring again. You can start loving that person again. There's a real person there. So even when love doesn't reach that place any longer, but compassion has the ability to go very deep and to awaken those dead feelings. When on the surface everything is, you don't feel anything, but with love you can awaken those feelings once again, those feelings of love and you can fall in love again and you can, you can love once again so this is the power of Yaakov. So Yaakov not only if Yaakov has his own path of compassion to serve Hashem but Yaakov also has the ability to stir up and to awaken our ability to love once again
2: in this way, through arousal of deep compassion for his soul which brings about the study of Torah and performance of Mitzvah One is able to attain the level of Avraba, great love, in in the consciousness of his heart. His intense love of Hashem will be palpable. As it is written of Jacob who redeemed Abraham, in the context of man's spiritual service, Abraham denotes man's love of Hashem, while Jacob symbolizes the attribute of compassion. When Abraham, the individual's love for Hashem is hidden and must be redeemed and revealed, is Jacob the attribute of compassion that brings about this redemption? The arousal of profound compassion for one soul enables his latent love of Hashem to become manifest.
1: So when a person is jaded and Abraham needs redemption, needs to be redeemed, Abraham represents love. But he needs to be redeemed. You can't access that love. That love is hidden and latent and inaccessible, and you feel jaded and you don't care. Your heart doesn't stir. But when you arouse a profound compassion for your soul, that awakens within you all those hidden feelings, all those feelings of love. It enables you, it gives you the ability once again to love and It awakens all those feelings that may have been dormant for many, many years within you. And suddenly you feel this intense love for Hashem. So this is the power of Yaakov. Yaakov is able to redeem uh, Abraham. He's able to reveal that love. So this is a very powerful path. The path of compassion, of pity, of mercy. And um, this is a straight path, as he says in the beginning of the chapter... It's accessible to each and every one of us. It doesn't take much to awaken ourselves up to our sorry sorry plight, our sorry state of being. Like the pauper just has to open his eyes and remind himself and all of a sudden he bursts out crying because unfortunately it is a sorry state of being. The darkness that's all around us, the spiritual darkness that's almost oppressive thick darkness, and um, you realize the situation, especially in today's day and age, when Hashem took away the last tzaddik, that you can't even see the tzaddik no longer, and, uh, you know, we live in a very, like a twilight zone, very spiritually oppressive time, uh, which seems overwhelming, and as soon as you remind yourself of this plight, You know, it doesn't take long to evoke, stir some feelings of pity and compassion on ourselves. And um, especially as a result of the choices that we made and and the compassion we have for Hashem, the divine, the shechina that we're schlepping into all these places, into the dungeon. And when you evoke that compassion, that can stir. And Yaakov is constantly evoking Hashem's compassion on us. So, even in our state of exile, we have the ability to do something about our situation. It's not just to feel sorry for ourselves and to wallow in our misery. No. It's you feel compassion and now I can do something about it. What's the answer? I have the antidote. I can study Torah. I can do mitzvah. Hashem is kissing us and He's illuminating our souls and we're kissing Hashem we're engaged in the Torah fully engaged Hashem is fully engaged in the Torah we're fully engaged and we're kissing each other we're hugging each other and at that moment the soul is reconnected to its source reconnected to the Divine it's back home we've alleviated the soul of its anguish of its pain even in exile even in the darkest moments even in the midst of the darkness the thickest, thickest darkness in the most decadent, corrupt environment imaginable. We can lift up. We can. Hashem is kissing us. We, we can be intimate with Hashem. We can go back to the Divine. We can connect with the Divine. There's nothing stopping us. We can do something about it. So this is, very, this is very hopeful. It's not wallowing in our misery and realizing how miserable we are and crying. No, we can do something. We cry, but then we do something about it. Yaakov cried and he kissed Rachel. He did something about it so we can this motivates us to study Torah and do mitzvot to alleviate our suffering and to alleviate the suffering of the Shechina and to bring the Divine and to reconnect to the Divine the Torah is a kiss from Hashem mitzvot is a kiss from Hashem what a beautiful thought what a gentle thought what a beautiful thought what a loving thought And Hashem is kissing us
0: when we're studying Torah, it's Hashem's kiss to us. We do a mitzvah. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project.
3: More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com